welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Asia Bonilla. And I'm the other host, Charles Sheeland. And today we're reading the fourth of seven books in the Children's Lamp series by Pee Wee Care. Four books done. We'll be over halfway through after this week because we're reading The Day of the Jinn Warriors today. And for anyone who is new to our show, we're a podcast on the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends and we read and reread young adult books from our adolescents and share them with each other. Charles suggested this series and has read these books a couple of times, but I'm on my first time of reading them and probably the only time. Well, that was rude, but anyway. Just stating the truth. I remembered the least things so far, like from this book and the other books, I pretty much remembered everything. I did remember the Dybbuk and the Layla storylines, but I kind of forgot what the main characters got up to. So there you go. Well, there was a lot going on in this book, so I feel like it would be hard to remember anything because there was like a hundred storylines. But with that, I will attempt to give us a summary of the entire plot, main and side characters. So firstly, we have Nimrod and the twins are enacting Nimrod's plan to retrieve Faustina's body and spirit and combine them so that she can take the role of the blue djinn and Layla can return. Which, quick reminder, Faustina is Dybbuk's long-lost sister who's been missing for 12 years. And this takes some finagling because the twins have to leave at least one of their bodies and both of their djinn powers in New York to help heal their dad. So they all convene Venice to resurrect Faustina and she goes and takes over for Layla who heads home but gets blown up in the process. Meanwhile, Iblis, our main villain, has been setting terracotta warriors loose and tricking Dybbuk into using up his jinn power. This leads the crew to China to try to foil Iblis's plan, which they are successful in. However, Dybbuk does end up losing all of his jinn power, so it's a good ending, but not without significant cost. And as far as my impression goes, again, I just feel like there was a lot going on, and I feel like by the end it all kind of came together, but... By, like, the midpoint of the book, there were definitely, I was just like, what's going on? <laughs> like, how are, how is everything connecting? Like, but I will say it did come together really well in the end. Yeah, I think that's a good, I think that's a fair assessment. It almost felt like there were, like, two books in this book, because the first half was Resurrecting Faustina, and the second half was The Chinese Warriors. And neither of those would have been enough to fill a whole book, but the weaving of the second plot into the first one did kind of make it like a little chaotic. Yeah, I did enjoy it. And I really liked that we got Finley again because he's basically there as like a human body for John to be transported in. And I just like that he wasn't completely forgotten. You know how sometimes in a series like characters get introduced, but then they like just kind of get dropped off and he hasn't been so I like that. Well, with that, I think we can dive in. Thought you'd never ask. So we should mention that this book has John floating as spirit and living in a bunch of people's bodies. Because if you remember from the last book, Mrs. Gaunt sets a binding on her husband that basically means that twins gin power has to stay in New York to heal him. And so because of that, 
we're not going to go into the back and forth of giving each other power and blah, 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 blah. But the twins are actually going to go the whole book without having their Jin powers. So just factor that in, I guess. And the book starts with Mrs. Trump, their housekeeper, taking a fall, and she's in a coma. And we start this book with a couple of mentions of how glamorous she is, you know, now that she's rich and such. And, like, she's a little bit like Leila Gaunt, which is foreshadowing for the ending. I mean, I don't know if I would consider it foreshadowing. I feel like there's no way that you could have guessed what happens in the end. It's, I mean, it is foreshadowing because it is end up ends up happening. But, like... Yes, you'd have to be, you can't have foreseen that for sure, because why would Layla gone? Or just, like, it's not enough, it's not enough, like, where you can Absolutely, predict it. I, I feel agree. like, yes, okay, it can be foreshadowing, because it's pointing towards, but it's not, like, anything where, like, okay, if you paid attention to all these clues, like, you could guess what was going to happen. I agree with that. I think that's true. I, however, because I knew, or, like, I didn't remember, but as soon as I read that line that, like, she looked like Mrs. Gaunt in the way she held herself, I was like, Oh my god, I remember what's going to happen. And again, that's not that does not prove it was foreshadowing, but like the literal reference to Mrs. Gaunt looking like her, that is foreshadowing, but it only triggered the memory of me because I read it before. And I wrote down, I was like Asia is never going to see this coming, right? I mean, no. I I like I said I feel like you'd have to be psychic to have seen it coming. Also, I mean, when Layla gets, like, burnt up, I literally had to go back because I was like, wait, what? I, when, well, we can save that for when we get there, but when I read this book the first time, I had to read that chapter twice, too, because I was like, did her body just get incinerated? Honestly, not fair. Anyway, sorry. Let but, me, I'll stop skipping ahead. Speaking of bodies, I was mostly worried at the beginning that Iblis was going to use Dybbuk because... Remember, at the end of the last book, Iblis loses his body to those two tigers. So, obviously, in this book, with the return of Iblis, he has to find a new body. So, I was, he was, like, watching Dybbuk and, like, went into him for a little bit. So, I was worried he was going to try to take over Dybbuk. And, obviously, we know that Dybbuk is his son. But it ends up actually being worse because he inhabits Adam Apollonius, which is the magician who Dybbuk is obsessed with. So he's basically now coaching Dybbuk into his downfall. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. And so as we mentioned, the first half of this book is getting Faustina back to life. And I remember, like, when the plan came into effect, I was like, I'm, like, 99% sure Faustina has a plan to become a good blue djinn, which we get explained in a little bit. And... Also, Nimrod's plan to make her the blue djinn makes more sense because we find out that originally she was intended to be the blue djinn of Babylon. And so she's the right fit instead of Layla. And if you remember in the last book, I was like, it feels kind of rude to make a girl of 12 who's literally never lived her life, you know, have to become a horrible cold judge for the rest of her life. But it makes way more sense knowing that it had already been agreed upon. Like, maybe... Maybe he retconned that when he wrote this book. But I said, remember we talked about this, I was like, it will be really bad writing if it's just like, well, she's a, she's an available person that we can use to become the blue djinn. Because at that point, we could have used any female djinn, you know? So it makes sense that there was a reason Faustina came to mind for Nimrod. 
Yes, and they actually try to recruit Dybbuk to help recover Faustina, but he's decided that he wants to become a famous magician using his gin power, and this is when he falls under the influence of Iblis as Adam Apollonius. And obviously, that was a big red flag for me, is using his gym power so excessively and casually. Like, that was clearly going to end badly. Definitely. Okay, let's talk about Faustina. So, her spirit is happy to be the blue gin, and John and Mr. Rakshasas actually have no trouble finding her. But Mr. Rakshasas, unfortunately, ends up sacrificing himself to help them get away and one of my questions like as we're like meeting Faustina is has her body aged like during this 12 years or is she still like has a 12 year old body so it's kind of hard to tell her spirit has definitely aged because she's been living those 12 years as a spirit like she has experiences and memories from when she lost her body so her mind is definitely not that of a 12 year old I think her body, I mean, this is, I'm not a biologist, probably hasn't really aged because they thought she was just a waxwork. So if her body was changing, I think that would have been noticed. And also, she didn't have a heartbeat, like, because she, like, she's, like, magically preserved, basically. And, you know, what ages us, or part of the aging is that, like, blood is flowing and, like, cells are growing and dying and, you know, Basically, our body is, like, you know, living. But because her body was basically in... In a limbo, yeah. ...frozen state, like, I feel like she probably didn't really age that much, like, physically. Like Captain America. That's my guess. Yes, like Captain America. Like, she was cryo-frozen. And, I mean, it doesn't really matter that much because Jin lived to, like, 200, even maybe older. So it's not going to matter for her. But... I definitely think her mind has aged, but I don't think that her body has. Okay, that makes sense because I really have this question because John and and Faustina almost immediately have crushes on each other, even if she is, like, twice his age emotionally. And that's why I was like, well, what about when she gets back in her body? Like, what if she's a woman and he's a child? Like, I don't know. I was freaked out by that, but that does make sense. Like, her body hasn't aged and she wasn't actually living in it. And Finley also kind of kind of might have a crush on her too and like really think she's great but it's clear that john and faustina are the ones who are being set up for like this love story i guess yeah i'm really hoping it happens i can't remember exactly but meanwhile nimrod gets her body back and so they're in venice long story essentially she's her body is was in italy in venice they fuse faustina's spirit into her body and then they awaken her and they do this by beasting like honestly the worst way to be resurrected ever but it does work yeah it takes like five bee stings to like trigger her to have anaphylaxis and wake up like absolutely awful are you allergic to bee stings no i'm not thank god but but i would say that that's when they were describing this probably like being stung by a bee is like the worst pain I've ever felt like I don't know about you have you have you been stung by a bee before multiple times and like I do remember the first time it was when I was my senior year of high school like it was like red ribbon week or something and I remember like the irony was that 
I was like fully clothed. Like I didn't have like, like I had on a long shirt, long pants, but this bee landed, I guess, on my neck and just stung me for no reason. I was just existing. And I remember I did like panic because, you know, I don't know. I feel like if you've never been stung by a bee, like, and I'm like deathly allergic to nuts. So like just was worried. I was like, what if I'm allergic to bees and I'm going to die? Well, but it's just like very painful for anyone out there who's not been stung. It's like probably like a minute or so of just like extreme pain. And then like it dies down and like once you, once you get the stinger out, that helps a lot. But like it's so painful. Like I cry. Like I feel like it's involuntary. Like tears. Oh, yeah. Well, also, I I might be remembering this wrong, but, like, didn't, as a kid, like, they would always, like, wait for your first bee sting to find out if you were allergic? Like, I feel like I remember that. Like, it was, like, a rite of passage that I'd been stung by a bee in elementary school because it was like, well, I'm not going to die if I get stung by another one. I think. But maybe I'm just making that up. Because, like, I, I mean, it's not as a, it's not like shellfish or nuts, which are, like, deathly allergies. I mean, maybe someone is deathly allergic to bee stings. I don't know. But, like, generally when people are allergic to shellfish or nuts, those are, like, kill you in, like, a matter of minutes if you consume too much. But I don't, I feel like, like, there's definitely something about, like, needing to be aware of your allergy to bee stings. Well, also for bee stings, which is something that I think... I learned this from watching Bridgerton. Shout out to everyone, anyone out there who is also a Bridgerton fan. In season two, spoiler alert, Anthony's father gets killed by a bee sting. And they talk about how he'd been stung by bees before and he'd never had an allergic reaction. And I think, I'm pretty sure that's accurate that like bee sting allergies can like be developed. Like you can be stung by bees like in the past and not have a reaction but like the more you get stung like you could develop an allergy which is like also really scary that's horrible i well yeah i think i've only been stung twice the first one was that time on my neck and another time i was at like fit body boot camp with my mom and i like went to go pick up like a bucket of like sand or something to like carry and wherever I put my hand there was a bee on it so like it stung me on my hand that one also involuntary tears just so painful I don't know how many times I mean I don't think it's like been more than five times that I've been stung but it is pretty okay that's a lot but I'm like it's been two and I'm like that's enough that I'll never forget it well I grew up in like suburban ex like exurban in the woods in the woods yeah (laughs) you grew up in the woods so it's not fully surprising to me okay well back to this plot we should mention that this whole time dibbick is becoming this super famous magician with the help of apollonius aka iblis and like we have mentioned before he's kind of just wasting his gin power away because that was something that was established in the first book about how gin power is limited like it has a cost like Every time you grant a wish, like, it's taking away a day of your life. And, I mean, I always thought Dimmick wasn't the smartest character, but, like, he really just threw that all away and was like, I don't care. I want to be famous, I guess. Yeah, it was very strange. Like, he had this sort of, like, nihilist approach after he found out about his father, which is understandable. His father is, like, big, bad, evil. And his mom is obviously, like, very much not evil. But... He's, like, very nihilist. He's, like, nothing matters. Like, 
everyone is always bossing me around. Like, he's, like, the quintessential teenager. And, like, he takes it way, way, way too far. So, anyway, the first... I think it also... I was just going to say, I think it also could come down to the idea of he's having, like, this internal battle within himself. Because especially, like, he's literally comes from the two, like, different sides of Jin, of good Jin and bad Jin. So I feel like maybe to, like, you know, turn that off and try to step away from that battle inside. He, like, is trying to turn off his emotions and, like, be numb to it. Yeah, I think that's accurate. And, you know, it's also... It's it's honestly just really sad. It is really sad. I mean, the ending for him is really sad, but we'll we'll get to that, because there's some tragedy at the end of this book, for sure. So, first half done. We got Faustina back into her body, and... Let's circle back to those Mr. Rakshasas who gets absorbed by these Chinese zombies that are actually the terracotta warriors. And they've been stealing Jade, which if we can remember from the first book, Jin can't use their powers against Jade. And Faustina had also said that the spirit world had basically been emptied out of ghosts and that she'd been magnetically drawn to Xi'an. And that's kind of like a red flag with these Chinese terracotta warriors that something is going on. Like, spirits are being absorbed. And, yeah. Well, now that they know what's going on, Faustina goes off to take over for Mrs. Gaunt as the Blue Jinn. So she flies off to Ayurvedam and takes over her job. And she basically outlogics Mrs. Gaunt because I think Mrs. Gaunt says she's been there for like 24, 26 days. So like just shy of the 30-day mark of when you fully become the Blue Jinn. And so Faustina is like, the only way for me to convince her to leave is like through logic, like not through emotion because she's basically all logic now. And she's able to do that. So Faustina will now become the new Blue Jinn. And... She actually has a plan for how she can be a kind blue gin and, like, keep some of her emotions. So she's going to leave her body in Irvotum, but take her spirit elsewhere, which feels like, like an obvious technicality. Like, I feel like... Well, also just the idea of, like, no one's ever done that yeah, before. Like, like, in the hundreds and thousands of years of, like, gin history, nobody thought of that. That's what I was thinking. I was like, this seems a little silly, like... And, I mean, yeah, maybe someone will protest it. Like, that's cheating. But if no one else protests, she's going to, like, have done it. And maybe this means she can have a romance with John. Here's hoping. I think we all would prefer that, right? I don't know. I think (laughs) they're too young for me to be thinking about, like, them romantically. I mean, they're 13 now. Or 13-ish. I don't know. That's, like, it's not serious. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, that's... The, like, oh, it's childish. I guess. I just think, you know, I've always kind of treated them as teenagers because they're doing teenager things. Well, really, they're doing, like, full-grown adult things. Anyway, we can circle back to Layla later. I think that'll kind of tie in at the end. But, I mean, we've already previewed what's going to happen, but you know what I mean. So, now they're in Venice, and they're trying to understand the Terracotta Warriors, and... They resurrect Marco Polo for information on China, and he tells a very, very, very long story, and I have to say at this part, I was with John because he was rightfully pissed because Marco Polo, after finishing this, like, basically hours-long story, 
And at the end, he just, with all that backstory, just to tell them that he lost the gold tablet and it's the one thing they need to, like, help their situation. So it's just, like, I feel like he could have skipped over that. Like, this was, like, pages and pages going on on his, like, monologue of a story, only to be like, actually, I don't have the thing that you came here looking for for me because I lost it. Yeah. Also, every time he gets interrupted, he's like, excuse me, I'm still here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I have something to say. Yeah, he was And that's why at the end, John is like, why did you not lead with that? (laughs) Yeah. For realsies. So... They now basically know that they have to find this golden tablet that basically makes the holder the master of everything. But obviously Marco Polo has no idea where it is. So now the men are going to go off to China to figure out what's going on. And they just leave Philippa behind to find the tablet with this annoying Marco Polo person. And it feels like she could have received some actual adult supervision rather than, you know, a guy a resurrected explorer from the 14th century, but whatever, everything will be fine. And she does figure it out and flies herself to Scotland, finds the tablet, then flies herself to China. And like, she just does this all on herself by herself with no gin power. Well, I will say between the two of them, between Philippa and John, I would trust Philippa to get the job done. So, and again, at this point, Like you said, they're doing adult things all the time, so just not surprised at this point. But at the same time, we... That's a good point. But at the same time, we find out that Iblis is going to make Dybbuk fans, the children, spin on magic cards, and that he is then going to suck their souls out to transport them to China, and then basically make a bad luck machine with the raw energy of their souls which is just, like, super dark. And, like, when he was, like, explaining it, I was like, I don't really know what's happening. I just know he's going to, like, take a whole bunch of children's souls, which, like, that's very, very evil. Yeah, we actually didn't even get his full plan until, like, the end when he's there with his son, Rudyard, and he had them all captured. But, like, when Adam Apollonius is explaining it, he's like, oh, my God, Dybbuk, random idea, bruh. Let's give them these, like, plastic cards with like grids and numbers and then we'll tell the kids to like turn really fast on like i don't know number four because four is like a cool number what do you think and debik's like okay sure and then it was like well bro dude your idea is amazing and debik's like yeah sure whatever and then and then but that is not how debik talks debik like on the audiobook, Dybbuk, the voice they do for Dybbuk is my favorite. I don't know how to describe it, but it's just like... It's very sullen. It's so like, funny. Ooh. And they also... Yeah, and like... The narrator uses the same voice for Faustina, which I think is dark, but it's true. As Dybbuk? Yes. I don't think I caught that. Dybbuk does sound like... He sounds like a teenage boy who like hates his life, like... But anyway, like the point, because like Philippa, like when he does Philippa, it sounds like a man faking a little girl's voice. Like it's so obvious. But like, I mean, I think that's all the female characters, honestly. But especially Philippa. Well, anyway, moving on from that. But yeah, <laughs> the fact that he's gonna absorb these children is like 
And then eventually we find out his plan. His bad luck machine is basically that, like, whatever a human wishes for, the opposite will come true, which would obviously, like, be pretty chaotic. So anyway, Philippa, as I mentioned, finds a tablet, swings in in the last second, saves the day, even after Iblis and Rudyard have captured everyone, they've got their 6,000 children, spirit, they've got everyone trapped, even without gin power, and Philippa just waltzes in and she's like, hello, bro, gold tablet, stop doing bad things. And it works. Which I'll say, Philippa really made it in at the last minute to save them, and honestly, it makes it less believable because not only did she have to, like, say the commands... Like, we got down to five seconds, and not only does she have to say the commands, but then she has the guy there who has to translate them into Chinese, and I'm like, there's no way, like, they finish before, like, they hit the lever. Like, I don't know. It just, like, is not believable when they, like, leave it to that late of, like, the countdown. Yeah. I. If you know what I mean? I totally agree. Because he's going five, four, and then, like, Philippa pulls out all these commands, and this guy's saying them. Right after her, and I'm like, how is this going to work? Like, by the time she even thinks to say anything, the five seconds is over. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it was like, okay, she could have gotten there in the last minute rather than the last five seconds, and it would have still felt urgent, and she still yeah. could have won, you know. Yeah. And then, yeah, and it turns out, fail safe, the golden tablet actually contains an old djinn who only comes out to punish evil people. So he ends up, he's like, Philippa, she's a good girl. But Iblis and Roger, they're bad boys. So he ends up encasing them in their jade and gold sets of armor. So they're unable to use their gym power to escape. He basically mummifies them alive in gin proof material. So unless someone, like, knows they're there and, like, goes and, like, physically breaks open the jade, they're trapped. I want to know if you thought that was justified, Asia, because all of our characters are like, oh, feels a little intense. Um, so what did you think? I feel like I had the same reaction as Philippa, which was obviously she's like, this seems really cruel and like was like, oh, my gosh, is this too much? But then she's thinking about how like all the human life that Iblis has no thought for. I mean, he literally was about to vanquish like millions of children's souls so it's kind of like yeah if he was willing to do that i think that he can be buried alive like you know what i mean like what he's capable of i think that him and his son got what they deserved yeah i agree like also they think of like mr rakshashas whose soul has been sucked out and they can't recover and dibbic like also, like, is that for sure, like, Mr. Rakshashas really isn't coming back? I honestly can't remember, but they go on acting as if he is dead. So, like, for all they know... I still am, like, I mean, I'm holding out hope, hope, too, because he's Or, like, they're going to see his spirit again. But I, for now, they all have to go on with him being dead. Also, what Iblis did to his son, to Dybbuk, is pretty horrible. Like... Oh, yeah, that too. Like, to Dybbuk, like, okay, taking away, like, stealing stranger souls. But, I mean, that was what Nimrod kept going on with him about. Because he's like, how could you do that to your own son? Like, your own blood. Like, it's one thing, you know, all these people are strangers. But, like, literally somebody who, like, 
came from you and you're like just destroying his entire life. Well, because we should also mention at this point, it's revealed that Dybbuk has what the djinn call gone cold. He's exhausted his djinn power. Like, the internal flame in him has gone out. He's used up so much of it and so quickly that he he can't be a djinn. He's not a djinn anymore. Like, and it's pretty awful. And, like, again, Iblis seems to literally not care at all. So, and again, it wasn't even like they were killed. They were just given life in prison. So. Well, also life in solitary confinement, which I will say is cruel and unusual punishment. Yeah. Well, they have each other. But do they? They can't communicate with each other. They can yell. I, they can't, they wouldn't be able to hear each other. That's why their screams are like shut out once they seal it. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it is a little too harsh. I think they should have just killed them, honestly. Like, I think that that's more humane, personally. But yes, I also am like, for what was happening, I was like, no, I definitely don't feel bad for this character. But I changed my mind. I think that they should have been executed. <laughs> also, because. We already know that there's three more books in this series, and Iblis is coming back because he's going to get somebody to free him. So. I don't know. I I think we're actually done with Iblis, but I can't remember. So I'm not sure. I feel like... I feel like because he can get out of this, like, I don't know how it would happen, but, like, somehow the djinn would, like, track him down, free him or whatever. I, I don't know. I feel like... So, but yeah, I'm just saying that I would maybe take back what I said, because I do think it would maybe be more humane to execute yes, them. Yes, exactly. And in the sense of, we already know since there's three books left in this series that they are somehow, or at least Iblis, yeah. is somehow going to escape this. Like, this is not the last we've seen him, I think. I think that we won't be done with this character until he somehow transforms to be good. Well, then... Because, you know, that's what they always have to do, turn the evil characters to be good, or he has to die. I feel like there's no other option. Well, then he definitely wasn't going to get killed in book four. Again, I think it's cruel, but I do think that, like, for what he was willing to do, it's fine. And since I'm, like... Maybe. Anti-capital punishment, generally, I think... I just feel like, because doesn't he have multiple children? Like, think about it. I'm saying, like, I feel like, which maybe instead of, like, tracking down Iblis, like, one of the children just becomes, like, the new villain. But I feel like as part of the final book, like, the super villain, which basically Iblis at this point, we've been through four books. He has been the big bad. Like, there's been smaller bads, but he's the big bad. So I can't imagine that this is the last we're seeing of him. Like, we might not see him the next two books, but I feel like he could come back in the last book and then they finally kill him. Well... We shall see if Iblis comes back and in what form. Because you didn't think he could hate the twins any more than he already does, but if he does come back, I think he'll hate them even more. Oh, whereas I'm like, I, I said, it's one thing, prison, life in prison, but life in solitary confinement, I think, is yeah. inhumane. That's what I'm saying. I feel like that is, like, to me, worse than, like, because, like, yeah, like, obviously in a regular prison, like, you're just basically controlled on what you can do but like you're not whereas like being alone we're not meant to be alone like you literally will just go insane which again i don't know i feel like it's most likely that someone would physically come and break down their sets of armor and but 
Also, can he not leave, like, through his spirit? Or I guess that's considered well, gym power. He, I don't think he can do mm. that, because that's the whole point of it. So I wonder if there's, like, a way to, like, get around that. Like, that's a loophole or something. Because, like, his body's already gone. Yeah. Or, more likely, it'll be something where, like, his sons go looking for him, and they, like, can track down his approximate location, and... Like, they can, they figure out, like, what are these two weird statues? Like, what if he's able to, like, send to some psychic like, I feel messages? Like, if he's going to come like back, it's going to be something like that. Children. But, again, who knows? I don't know. I feel like that's something they'll be, like, you know, Iblis had the strongest will to, like, be evil. I feel like it'll be something like that. I know. I'm, like, I feel like they'd come back. I could be wrong. Like, don't quote me. But I'm, like, they're too specific to just, like, be a gift. Well, I guess we'll see. And then also at the end, this djinn that imprisoned them also gives Philippa a very random gift. It's golden slippers that smell like strawberries. I don't know. That just seems so Also, random. who's ever going to smell your shoes? That's Like, gross. I'm assuming they have some special power, but like... Yeah, I feel like they come it back, It was not disclosed in the moment. I feel like they have to come back because why would why would you even put that in the story? Like it was so random. Like it could have been anything, but golden slippers that smell like strawberries. Like whoever heard of shoes that smell like something? Like that's that's besides nasty feet. Like I don't know. I just just weird. So then we go back to New York and we can talk about Layla Gaunt. So we should probably backtrack to after she leaves Irvotum. Yeah, which. I just have something to say because basically what ends up happening to Layla is a consequence of something Philippa does early in the book. And when she's alone in New York, she like almost gets like hit by a bus or something. And this policeman saves her. And as a thank you, Philippa says like, I'm a djinn. I'll grant you three wishes. And one of the wishes that she casts for him like 15 step li- steps later, like all these different things happen that it ends up affecting Layla. And this is kind of like the reason why her like body got burnt up while she was traveling on her whirlwind. And I don't know, just reading all that, I was like, this is like a bit much, like a bit of a reach. Like I understand it's supposed to be talking about how they've been talking about throughout the whole series, how you can never know the consequences of granting a wish, which is why you have to be like really careful. And also, I'm just like, why are we coming for Philippa? Like, it's not her fault that her mom, like, her body got burnt. And also, like, I don't know, Layla to me made not smart choices. So that's on her. But also for me, I was like, Philippa didn't have a, I mean, maybe she could have figured out a more deft way to grant the wish of this guy. But more importantly, she, it literally says, because she's a good gin, she follows the rules. Her life was saved, and so she grants these four, these three wishes. Like, she couldn't have not done that, because then she would have been a bad character. So I agree. I felt like not having any explanation of why the volcano went up would have been just as good as having this 15-step process to prove that wishes have consequences, you know? But also, like, because why did she even fly over a volcano? I guess she, like, doesn't thinking about it. Yeah, they said that she wasn't thinking about it. Because, but also that made no sense. I was like, Which if she was in a rock, problem. why did she? But I was confused as to why, if she was in a rock, she flew east. She should have flown west. She should have flown over Europe and then over the Atlantic. 
I mean, I guess the winds are more in your favor if you fly east, but it's much further distance. If you fly east from Iraq, you have to go all over Asia and over the Pacific and then over the continental United States. Whereas from Iraq, if you oh, just... Oh, I don't even see. I clearly, I wasn't paying attention yet because that makes no sense. But yeah, the winds are in your favor when you go east. I know, but... but I was which like, is maybe why it was ulti- it was ultimately going to be faster, like on a whirlwind, because, you know, it's literally based off of wind. I guess. But, I was like, this is stupid. When I read this the first time... Which again, again, this is I where, like, like no the sense. author, he was like, I've done something. She had to go east, and that's why she went over a volcano. No. I definitely, like, I was just like, I understand you're trying to, like, make this connection, but I was like... I don't blame Philippa. I blame Layla for not being a smart adult. Again, why are we blaming children for adult making stupid decisions? Like, Layla's how old? And she didn't think, maybe I should fly higher over a volcano? Yeah. I think it's Also, why would you even go over a volcano? Like, why would you do that to yourself? Yeah. Anyway. So, that's kind of what happens. And then she gets blown up, she fly. her spirit enters a bird, and she flies back to New York. And, you know, at this point, you know, what is she going to do? She has no body, and first she, like, goes back to their apartment and enters Mr. Gaunt, her husband's body, to, like, kind of get an update, and that's how she finds out that Mrs. Trump, their housekeeper, is in a coma, so she goes to the hospital and enters Mrs. Trump's body, which helps her be able to wake up from her coma. And I guess now, like, it's basically implied that they're going to live as one, like, together in her body. And, but with that, we're kind of left on this weird cliffhanger because, like, she they don't show us or, like, tell us if she's telling the twins. Like, the book literally ends with, also to say, it's really funny because... <laughs> The audiobooks end with music. So she's like, I have news to tell you, like something to share. And then it's like, da 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 da. And I was like, this is the end. <laughs> that was the last line of the book. <laughs> like it was in the, like in the middle of the paragraph. That's why I had to go back. I was like, did it cut off? And, um, but yeah, so like we don't actually know. Like she says there's news, but like it's not clear. Like what if she doesn't tell them? And I only got, thought this because I feel like there's been secrets before i mean obviously how she kept the secret about the blue gin so i'm like what if she doesn't want to tell the kids right away because she doesn't want to hurt them so that and then on top of that i think i just hated that ending for her because that's like a terrible existence like having to share a body with somebody else i mean we got the whole experience with john and what's his name and finley and finley and like I don't know, I guess, like, I know how it's, like, described as, like, Mrs. Trump was almost, like, too weak to wake up on her own, so she needed, kind of needed Layla to, like, be able to live again, but, like, so is Layla just gonna, like, fully take over her body, and, like, Mrs. Trump is just living in the background of her own body? Like, I don't know, I just feel like the ethics of that, it just feels really weird, so, like, maybe Mrs. Trump is gonna die, like, her spirit will die, and then Layla can just fully take it over. But, like, does that work like that? Or, like, when your spirit dies, your body also dies? Like, you can't take it? Because Layla says, like, she mentioned something about how only the evil djinn can, like, per- or they are the only ones who permanently take over, like, humans, like Iblis did with the magician. But, like, good djinn, like, don't do that. So, like, does it still count if the person's already dead? Like, could you, like... 
skin Jack a dead body? Like, I don't know. I just, those are all the questions I had at the end of the book. So that's why I said I felt it was a cliffhanger because I was like, what does this mean going forward? Yeah, so that's a good point because I knew this was going to happen, but I think I know what happens in the next book about it. And I felt like what's going to happen in the future does not line up with what was said at the end of this book, because it's true. It kind of sounded like Mrs. Trump was like with awake within her body with Mrs. Gaunt there as well. In which case, at I think it's very weird. Like, yeah, it's, it's one thing if she's in a coma and sh- her spirit is gone, and but her body's still working. And like, I mean, again, it's a weird ethical situation, but like, she's not basically forcing someone else's spirit to go away, you know? Because yeah. but it would also be very weird for two spirits to live in the body together indefinitely. I think that's weird. It's, okay, I don't know if anybody's read the book or watched the movie The Host, which is written by Stephanie Meyer, who wrote Twilight. That is, like, it reminds me of that, where, like, in that book, just a quick little summary. Have you heard of that before, The Host? Only when you mention it. Well, basically in it, it's about this, like, alien species, and they invade Earth, and they are, like, just like a bunch of cells, basically. Like, they need... A host. They invade humans' minds, and the thing that they like, humans hate them because they kill humans so that they can take over their bodies. And in the book, like the main character gets one inside of her, and they're like fighting for control. And at the end of the book, spoiler alert, the <laughs> the like alien or whatever gets a body that's like dead already, but it's just a body, or like I think they're like still. I don't know if it's dead or if it was like still breathing, but they get it and like there's no soul in it. So like she just adopts a body. So I feel like that is where like, okay, and that's why I'm saying to me, if Mrs. Trump like passed on, like her spirit is gone. To me, that's fine that Layla is taking over her body. Like I feel like ethically that's fine because like she's gone. Like it's, it was natural. That's why I feel still weird. It's still weird. But like what, how it's talked about in this book like Mrs. Trump says hi to Layla when she enters and like it does like they there is a line it says like it's almost like she was too weak or something to open to wake up like it wasn't until Layla was there that like she had the strength to like come out of the coma but like they're not it's not explained of like wills Mrs. Trump like slowly fading away like and that's what I said it's a cliffhanger so hopefully we'll get like more details in the next book but I just what a weird way to end the book like this is one of those books where I feel like it like, it ended, but that, to me, like, was unfinished. Like, you yeah. have to read the next book to understand what's going to happen. You do have to happen. keep reading. Well, I feel like if you've read four of the books at the point in the series, you're going to, like, I'm going to finish them. But I agree with you. And, again, I think I know what happens, but I want to know. I want to start the next book and find out because, yeah, that's all I'm going to say right now because I don't want to start spoiling things. But, yeah, I mean, at this point, like, you know. We're finished with the book. Dybbuk is basically broken, lost to Jin power. Mr. Rakshasa's possibly dead, probably. Layla Gaunt in Mrs. Trump's body. Mrs. Trump probably dead. Like, it's kind of a dark ending for the book. Like, it doesn't, it's not like written in like, they went into mourning for five weeks. But like, if you think about it, like, this is definitely the first book where we've had like, 
severe tragedy hit the crew. Which makes sense because we're, you know, at the halfway point entering into the second half. Something else I'll say that I know, I'll know because how you we were just saying, like, did they have their 13th birthday? Like, I feel like there hasn't been, like, this whole plot so far has been, like, within one year. Like, there has been no time jumps or, like, significant time jumps. Well, they, we haven't gotten, I don't know the full, I don't think we've had a significant time jump. I think everything has been, like, a month, each book has been, like, a month apart. I think. Yeah. I think that. They did have a birthday, remember? Because they had their, like, first birthday party. But it, because it was their first birthday after their wisdom teeth came out. But that didn't necessarily mean a whole year. Okay, you're right. So they must be... So they are 13 years old now. Well, it's probably because their wisdom teeth... Yeah, they're 13. So, but I'm just saying, like, because I'm thinking of, like, the seasons-wise. Like, honestly, I don't even know. Since they traveled so much, like, I don't even know what season this was. But I was just noting that because I feel like other books, obviously, like... Percy Jackson, like, other series that we read that were, like, longer, usually, like, each book, like, was a year, like, or, like, an age, like, the first book, they're 12, the second, they're 13, the next one, they're 14, whereas this book, we're in the fourth book, and I don't know when their birthday party is, but either way, even if we just say it's been a year, like, everything in the series is just, in general, happening a lot faster, the only exception is, of course, Secrets of the Immortal Nicholas Hamel, which takes place over the course of, like, three weeks, all seven, all six books. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was horrible. That's because also I, when you read it, you're like, much. there's no way this is all happening this quickly. Like, you're just like, this yeah. is not possible. But, like, each book is, like, fully 18 hours, uh, 36 hours. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot about because I was thinking about that. I was like, how long were those books? But this one, like, I feel like this is, like, a good balance And I will say I am kind of, like, appreciating that we're not getting, like, a giant time jump because it doesn't feel like there has to be, like, these, like, established character dynamics that, like, we didn't get to read about. Like, we're pretty much watching everything happen in real time as opposed to, like, hearing about it after the fact, which I do appreciate. I agree. I think that's actually a really good point. It's really nice. So I think that's it. I wanted to quote Mr. Rakshasas because it's also, like, totally the theme of this book series, but... Also, if he is dead, I wanted to pull his most iconic quote, which is, well, you could do any a number of them, but, like, there's the one about the fish, but there's also, having a wish is like lighting a fire. It's reasonable to assume the smoke might make someone cough. And that is, again, wishes and thereby words have consequences. And with that, I think we're done. So, next week we're going to read the fifth book, which is The Eye of the Forest. And as always... Predictions. Oh, yeah, you got it wrong. We went to China. You guessed that wrong last time. Any guesses where we're going next? Oh, my gosh. Well, I guess I told you. That was so aggressive. I said China last? They did go to China. No, you didn't say China. What did I say? I I think you said South America. I did say South America. You said South America later. I don't... Remember I said somewhere hot. I don't know. Well, now I'm guessing my yes, answer did. is staying consistent because if it wasn't right this time, maybe it'll be right next time. Let's stick with South America. Another time zone. Well done. Southern hemisphere. You got it. They're going to South America. Okay, spoilers. Anyway, now that Charles is done with it's his interruptions. It's called the Eye of the Forest. What does that have to do with anything? I don't know. The Amazon Rainforest? 
the only forest that has ever existed is in South America. It doesn't okay. even say rainforest. Also, Why looked, would you assume it's a rainforest? Why is it not Also, a, if you looked at the cover of the book, you would already know they're going to South I America. I haven't looked at the cover of the so. book. Does it have the South American continent on it? How did you know that? No, but it has... If you say it has some animal Incan. or something that I could have identified that it was South America, you're, again, overestimating my knowledge. <laughs> it has black panthers on it, rainforest trees, and Incan temples. Black panthers is Wakanda. Okay, they went to Wakanda. Fine. <laughs> Which is not in South America. Decidedly not in South America. It's in Africa. It's true. You said Black Panthers and what else? Incan drawings and rainforest trees. Incan drawings. Okay, and then, like, I know what a rainforest tree looks like. Okay, again, like I said, Charles overestimating my knowledge here. Charles sees that image, clearly South America. I'm like, who knows what this book's going to be about? Okay. Just one step closer to being done with the series. Ridiculous. Okay, you wrap, <laughs> let's wrap up this episode before you, it goes further off the rails. So, as always, if you have predictions, theories, or questions, remember that you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. Just head over to nerdparty.com contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at joinnerdparty or on Instagram at thenerdparty or facebook.com slash thenerdparty. And to find me, I'm at asiabonia on TikTok and at asia.bonia on Instagram. And I'm at Seashells on Instagram. If you enjoy our show, make sure you rate and review it. Share it with your friends. Of course, we always tell you to check out the other podcasts we have within the Nerd Party Network. And subscribe to our show so you don't miss us next week when we figure out what on earth is going on with the ethics of Mrs. Trump's body. Yes. Hit that subscribe and have a good one. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.